0: back again with another episode of Arrow, Chapter, and Verse, and this time it is Supergirl. Season 2, episode um, 7. Ah, I should have gone with that. I was right. It's called The Darkest Place. Oh boy, there's a bunch of stuff going on around here. By the way, if you didn't get enough Green Arrow with Green Arrow, now that Jimmy Olsen is a guardian, you can have a little Green Arrow with your Supergirl. So, okay. Last time we saw Mon-El getting kidnapped by Cadmus. So, they tell Supergirl that they- oh, actually, I should- mmm, sure. Mon-El makes a pretty decent escape attempt, except he sees a couple of people beating up Jon Jones, and he surrenders and goes back to his cell. Uh, then Cadmus tells Supergirl that they have Mon-El. She swoops in to get him- and is immediately met by John Jones, except it's not John Jones. It is actually Hank Henshaw, the person that John is imitating. And it turns out that Hank Henshaw has become a cyborg and in fact refers to himself at one point as Cyborg Superman, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, in this context. Uh, the reason that he does that is because in the comics he is Cyborg Superman. He is a uh, A guy who looks exactly like Superman, except with some metal parts. He was one of the four Supermen to claim to be Superman or the heir of Superman after the death of Superman back in the 90s. The other three were the Eradicator, who's basically a a Kryptonian uh, sort of a robot. I mean, kind of a robot, kind of a thing. Steel and, of course, Superboy. Uh, who had somewhat different powers because he was a clone made by Cadmus. Mm-hmm. So uh, they get Kara down there. They tell her to put on a helmet and basically use her heat vision until she's all out of solar energy. And then they drag her somewhere and they take her blood. Uh, now, they they get her to do this by shooting Mon-El. And as you might recall, Mon-El being a Daxamite, is vulnerable to lead. So there you go. That's why bullets work on Monel. Um, now, the question is, I guess, because Lillian Luther is is the head of Cadmus, uh, and she has a real mad on for aliens, it's unclear to me why they don't just kill them both, but of course that would be the end of the show, and we can't have that. Uh, Lillian Luther, I mean, really has a, uh, <clears throat> an interesting script. Uh in her head about what what's happened she says her her son uh promised lex the world and then basically used propaganda until his power became unchecked and the the problem is that as we all know superman basically just does a bunch of good stuff um all the time like saving people and stopping supervillains and preventing natural disasters and rescuing people from natural disasters and trying to ameliorate the effects of natural disasters and Lex uses his considerable intellect to try to discredit or kill Superman. Uh, so Lillian's got an interesting um, interesting take on things. Uh, I suspect at this point that she might be an anti-vaxxer or perhaps even a flat earther. Um, we'll call her a Superman truther. I think that's maybe the best way to, to deal with the um, uh, the context that she's coming from. But they steal cars, blood, and I originally thought it was going to be to do another clone thing, but we saw that that didn't work for Maxwell Lord, who is, of course, still MIA. He apparently... You know what? The best part about this is when they moved her to the CW, Flashpoint happened. So we can blame all of the changes on Flashpoint, right? Apparently, uh, um, Lois Lois Lane never had a sister Lucy. Uh, Maxwell Lord didn't exist. Um... Or if he did exist, perhaps wasn't as rich and hadn't read Atlas Shrugged or something. I, I, I don't know. Um, but that is, I guess, how we can in-universe explain that these characters are gone. Um, and out of universe, it's co- of course, the producers slash writing crew slash whatever just decided that maybe they weren't the best thing to use going forward. All right. So um, we've got uh, Supergirl and Mon-Ellen Cells. And who should come to rescue them but Jeremiah Danvers, played, of course, by our old friend Dean Cain. Uh, and there's Dean Cain helping a couple of illegal aliens get out of their secure holding facility. That's, that's what he does in this, uh, in this episode. He helps them escape. He refuses to come with them. He says he's been at Cadmus for 15 years, uh, and we're not really sure like what he's doing there or in what capacity he's there or why he's there. Or why he just doesn't escape with them. Because you'd think after 15 years he might want to see his wife and daughter. I don't know. I'm sure, of course, this is something that's going to come up later. That's pretty much the whole Cadmus plotline. Yeah. So other stuff that's happening. uh, We've got the Guardian plotline. Jimmy's running around at the Guardian. And then uh, while he strings uh, a... thief up by his feet. He leaves, and then while he is driving away, some other guy comes up with a gun and shoots uh, the guy that Jimmy just left. Now, Jimmy has a confrontation with this guy the next night, because there's a drug deal going down, and this guy gives pretty much the same line that Vigilante gave over an arrow. It's like, you don't realize what this is. This is a war. You've got to do this. Uh, And and again, What we're getting here is, and I don't know how this dude is getting his information because he's just, like, he's just a vigilante. He has no connection to cops or or lawyers or anything. I mean, maybe he's looking at public records and um, newspaper articles. But he's specifically going after people who committed a crime, um, I think at least once, uh, I think murder, twice it was murder, uh, who committed a crime and got off on a technicality. So again, we're not seeing a whole lot of you know they want to make sure that the even even this vigilante, even this guy who's going around shooting people, he's shooting really bad guys. So again, I don't know why I continue to you know um, ding these shows for not being nuanced. They're not supposed to be nuanced shows. but uh, there's a big confrontation. Uh, oh, I, I should say that uh, Wynn figures out who this guy is by looking at the people that he's killed and then going back and then seeing that, okay, yeah, here's he's going after people who have supposedly cheated the justice system. Um, and there was a little bit of that, too, in Green Arrow with the bank robber guy who, again, he'd been paroled and he shouldn't have been. And then, you know, I didn't mention this in the Green Arrow episode, but he has this whole speech about how he was wrongly convicted the first time, and then when he got out of Iron Heights two years later, he was he was ready to be a criminal or something like that. But anyway, back to Supergirl. Wynn figures out who this guy is. They figure out who his next target is. So Jimmy goes down there to find his next target and stop him, and there's a bunch of fighting. Now, here's the thing. The dude, whose first name is Philip and whose last name I don't remember... Philip is down there, uh, and he is a Navy SEAL with three tours of duty under his belt. Jimmy is physically imposing. He's in great shape. He is a black belt. He's got himself a fancy suit. Uh, I do not think that he could take a Navy SEAL in a fight because Navy SEALs are trained to fight. And while Jimmy is also somewhat trained to fight... It's not what he does as a job. So I imagine the seal would probably beat him, but he didn't. And the seal, the guy, Philip, ends up helmetless in front of uh, Alex and Maggie. And Maggie realizes that, yes, in fact, she has got the wrong guy. And Jimmy uh, Jimmy speeds off into the, into the darkness. Um, so as part of this Guardian being framed win and jimmy are running around trying to minimize the damage and win basically goes to alex and says look you you have to convince maggie to lay off guardian and alex is like why and win ends up giving up jimmy's identity so alex knows who um who he is that also means that alex has to talk to maggie which she does and at one point she gives her an earful about hey uh you know, they, they run into each other at the bar. It's like Alex, Maggie drags Alex over to a corner. It's like, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that we're cool. We're, we're, you know, that we're friends. And Alex is like, yes, sure. You explained it. And, And Maggie's like, yeah, it's nothing personal. I just don't date people who are fresh off the boat. And you know, Alex is still clearly hurt by this. So when she goes to talk to Maggie about Guardian, Maggie is like, look, I know we're friends. And Alex is like, no, we're not friends. Here's what happened. You convinced me to do all this stuff. You, well, encouraged me to come out. You encouraged me to accept who I am. You told me that my feelings were real. You told me that I deserve to be happy. And I was the one with the courage to admit that there was something between us. And then you told me that there couldn't be something between us, which essentially really hurt. And then she says something like, now all I feel is pain, which is, I would say, it's a little sophomoric. That's a little bit, you know, what you feel like in high school when the person that you like doesn't like you back. And it's, you know, it's... not to take away from that feeling, but it's, you know, it's not necessarily the worst thing that happened. It just feels like it at the time. Um, So again, honestly, the, the Alex coming out as a lesbian uh, subplot is one of the better written subplots I think that we've got. Um, So they, they have that confrontation. And then at the, the end of the whole thing, Uh, everybody's back at Supergirl's house. They're happy that she's, oh, I forgot a major, uh, I forgot John Jones. Okay, we'll come back to him, but, uh, everybody else is back at Supergirl's apartment, um, you know, uh, she and, she and Monel had originally gone to the DEO and they, you know, put them under yellow sun lamps and helped them get better. And they're back at the, the apartment sort of celebrating their release. And Alex, of course, is, was really worried that, you know, she was at Cadmus and she couldn't find her, but she was distracted by this whole guardian thing. And she's worried that she somehow sort of failed Kara and Supergirl's like, no, that's not true. Uh, so they're back at the apartment. They're celebrating with pizza and pot stickers, which is, um, Supergirl's, Comfort food of choice. Uh, There is now a little bit of a hint that Monel is going to be Supergirl's love interest. At least he's interested in Supergirl. Um, Yeah, sure. Fine. It's a little obvious. Um, I wish they had gone in a different direction with it. I was actually sort of enjoying Supergirl not having a love interest. Because, guess what, folks? She doesn't need one. Um... Yeah, but they're they're all talking, and then Maggie comes up to talk. You know, she arrives at the apartment to talk to Alex, and she's like, "Look, I heard everything you said. You, however, I don't find many people that I like. You are really important to me. I hope we can be friends. I can't picture you. I can't picture my life without you in it, which is a heavy thing to say to someone that you just want to be friends with." And it's like Maggie, uh, you have this self-imposed limit about not dating people who are fresh out the boat. And I get it. Maybe you've been burned. You know, you've been burned by somebody who was in the, the first flush, the excitement of their um, being, you know, them coming out as lesbian and sort of owning themselves and being their true selves and all that kind of thing. Uh, and it, they were attracted to you because you were the first one there. I get it. I, I, I get why that's maybe it's a situation you find yourself in more than once and you just you're trying to. Avoid it because it never works out. Who, who knows? Um, but that, you know, doesn't change the reality of Alex's feelings. And honestly, if you search deep within yourself, Maggie Sawyer, character on this show, you might find, in fact, that you too have those sorts of feelings for Alex. And, and maybe it's just that you want the relationship to be more established. Maybe you want to know more about each other. Maybe you want to be more comfortable with each other before you make that jump. Uh, maybe you want Alex to settle down from being fresh off the boat. Maybe these are things you should have mentioned. Maybe you're like, hey, I just want you to be you and comfortable with you before we jump into something. That's that's a little better than being like, hey, you're fresh off the boat. I don't date you. Uh, so anyway, that's that's more or less how the episode ends. <laughs> I forgot about Jean, like I said. So jumping back into him, he's having some hallucinations and problems and whatnot. And it turns out that because, it's because he's got that white Martian blood, in him, that's not doing any good. Uh, and because he figured out that he had white Martian blood in him, he figures out, of course, that McGann is a white Martian. And they have a fight, and he almost kills her. And he doesn't because she goes back to her human form. And she's like, look, this is who I want to be. I don't want to be the white Martian camp guard. I want to be this human person. Uh, I'm not like the other white Martians. I'm not. And she's she's not. Um then he imprisons her in the D.E.O. and she tells him that, well, guess what? I gave you a transfusion, but now my white Martian blood is taking over your entire body. It's making you into a white Martian, which I guess is how blood works if you're a race. A shape-shifting, density-altering, telepathy-having, flying, super-strength martian ray be eye beams yeah i mean it's not how blood works uh in humans at least but it's apparently how white martian blood works on green martians so uh she says there's no chance uh that he will not turn into a white martian there's nothing he could do to prevent it blah 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 oh right almost forgot the very end we see hank henshaw cyborg superman in the Fortress of Solitude, and he tips out, and the the Kryptonian Guardian robot is there uh, and threatens to disintegrate him twice. I guess you do that if you're a Kryptonian Guardian robot. You warn, you warn people twice. And he tips the vial of blood onto his hand, and he presses his hand down into the center console, and the Kryptonian robot recognizes him as Kara Zor-El. So that's why they wanted the blood it's also weird i guess because the kryptonian robot has no scanning devices to say oh look you look nothing like kara Zor-El. you have none of the physical characteristics of kara Zor-El, but now there's blood dripping from your fingers which seems like you're kara Zor-El. it's like it's not a great not a great robot uh, to have guarding your fortress of solitude seems pretty pretty basic for a planet like krypton that had small one-person life pods that can make the journey across the stars to Earth. But, hey, what do I know? I'm only a human. Um, I also want to say that Supergirl had a bunch, like, a real problem fighting Cyborg Superman. Um, I don't know why he's presented as that much more resistant to her punches and that much stronger than she is. But I guess because we've seen that, it's easy to assume that he can pick up Superman's key and open the Fortress of Solitude. Um, Yeah, they really don't explain why he's so physically powerful, uh, because given what we have on Earth, he probably shouldn't be. Then again, Cadmus was holding our superheroes in cages of Nth Metal, so Nth Metal exists on this Earth, or rather on this universe's Thanagar, as it does in um, Earth-1's Thanagar, Uh, but uh, it's like, where's Cadmus getting all this stuff, and how are they, you know, everybody goes back to rescue Jeremiah, and of course the warehouse is completely empty, I figure Entmetal should be pretty heavy, except I guess it does, it is used for anti-gravity stuff, so never mind, forget that I said that, Uh, you know, and of course Cadmus can clear out a whole warehouse in a day, and you know, completely completely. expunge any record or uh, clue as to their operations, so they don't know where Jeremiah is now, and etc., cetera, et cetera. It, It's just, um, you know, in the comics they sort of explain uh, why the bad guys have the advantages that they do, and in the TV show it's just like, no, the cyborg can beat up Supergirl, and we have Anthem Metal Cages, and just deal. It's like, all right, well, I guess you, you're getting them from somewhere. Maybe you're stealing them from the Thanagarians who... Arrived on the planet, but I mean, also like, if you can't break into metal because it's, it's the hardest metal ever known, guess it was super convenient that it was already shaped into cages, right? All right, um, but that's uh, that is it for this episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse, and I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're having a good day, and I will see you next time.